Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Lon and Pastor Kelly. And most of that was true. What they just said, one thing was not true, that we we have missed you and we do miss you. But as a team in a church, you're fully released and blessed for as much time as you need. You can't be replaced, but um, we're going to cover you in this time and we're looking forward to you being back. So I am Stephen and I'm from C3 Central, if I haven't met you, our downtown location. And it's an absolute privilege to get to bring the word today here in this Christmas season. Um, and it's always a privilege to get to be behind this pulpit, especially in, in this season of time. And so C3 Central is uh, our downtown location, like I said, and we've had an amazing few years. I want to give us a couple minutes update and then jump into the word. But we um, got a, our venue, we got an amazing venue that we started meeting in in October. And uh, we've been praying and believing for this one for a couple years, and there's a miracle story. And, um, and amazing things have happened. And now recently we've just got uh, noticed that as of January 1st, we no longer have a venue. Thank you, Jesus. This is okay. This is good because this is an opportunity for God to come through for us in an amazing way. And, um, but, and you know, I'm speaking on hope today, but that's a little bit of a hopeless situation for me. We've seen, heard about a little bit of a hopeless situation, but this is the great thing. It's in our hopeless situations where the hope of the world can arrive. So for us, I look at my situation and our situation is central. So please be in prayer for us. Um, but I know God's going to just come through in an amazing way. Um, and I, I look at it and I go, God, what's that about? Like, why did all that happen? And we were sitting down with the central team, the leadership team the other night, and we were listing since October what's been our highlights of the year. And the things that were coming up was that young man who, who gave his life to the Lord for the first time. That connect group that's formed and, and is seeing momentum. Those new people that have come in and connected into the community. Those healings and miracles that have taken place week after week. Quietly in the background, not, not from the front. The words that have been spoken, the friendships that have been formed. And that we'd stepped out in obedience and saw amazing things happen in these last few months. And so we went through this list, we put our notepads down, and we said, well, we have to keep going. This isn't the end just because we don't have a venue. We've got to keep going. And so we can look back on our situations, things that happen in our life, and, and we can ask the question, well, why did that happen? God, why would like, all that happen just for us to have a venue for a couple, couple months? And I think we can drive ourselves crazy asking the question, why it happened, And we need to activate faith and go, well, what if? What if that one guy who got saved goes on to be the next Billy Graham, leading thousands of people to the Lord? What if that one connect group ends up saving someone who was on the brink of taking their life, but because they had community around them, all of a sudden they're cared for? What if that that one service where someone came in and they never came back again, but a seed was planted in them that years from now the Lord waters and grows and they give their life to the Lord? Like that is worth all of it and anything that could take place. So we're excited for the future. We're in a bit of a 
interesting season there at Central. So I just ask you as a church community, can we be praying and believing and declaring faith and good things about a new venue for us. And I know uh, we're going to keep taking ground as C3 Calgary Central, C3 Calgary West, online, and the future locations that we have, because God's called us to take ground for Him, and it's Him who, He who's doing it, where does He's partner in it. Amen? Amazing. Let's get into the Word. I'm excited. I'm excited to preach. I'm going to be super quick today. But our series for Christmas is A Weary World Rejoices. And that's a bit of a cruel thing to title a series for an Australian because it has three R's in it, and we're not very good with our R's, so I've been practicing that. We don't say that very well. It's kind of a tongue twister for me, a weary world rejoice. No, I can't even say it. But has anybody felt weary lately? Yeah. Has anybody felt weary in the last, last couple years? I know someone out there is going, last couple years? Try the last 30 years. We become weary. And how can, how can we say that when we're weary, we can rejoice? Well, I'm going to give us the answer today and, and the answer to our weariness that we find in the Word of God and what we reflect and remember in the Christmas season. I remember once I, um, I was on a missions trip for Bible college uh, that I went to. And Bible college, I went to the C3 Bible College in Sydney uh, about 12 years ago now. It's where I met my wife, who's down at the central location today. Um, bridal college, of course, of course. Um, but I remember we were on this missions trip, and as a second-year student, we would go up, and the third years, we were meant to be running the missions trips. We were just meant to attend and, and be a part of it and see great things happen. Problem with our third years um, in, in my group is, like, God bless them. Like, God bless their hearts. But they were disorganized. They weren't ready for the mission trip. They weren't prepared. And one of our lecturers came to us, one of our professors, and said, to the second years, guys, we need you to really step up. The third years, they're not, not doing a great job. Can you step up and lead it? And we were um, just full of vinegar, ready to go. We were pumped, we were ready. So we jumped in and stepped in. And during this period, though, I remember there was a gap of about 27 hours where my friend and I went without sleep. Has anybody ever had sleep deprivation before? You've gone without sleep. Maybe you've gone more. And it can send you a little bit loopy. And I remember uh, after 27 hours there, and I think it's around 24 hours is the first step of sleep deprivation where you start to really shut down. Your body starts to um, go into uh, your cognitive abilities, not there anymore, and, and you're very weary during this time. I remember looking over at my friend who hadn't slept for 27 hours, and he was just looking at his hand, giggling like a little kid, <laughs> giggling away. I was like, are you high? He was like, no, I'm weary. I'm exhausted, I'm overtired as he giggled away looking at his fingers. When we're weary, when we're exhausted, when we're in that moment of lack of sleep or lack of tired, we do weird things. We don't function properly. As we talk today about a weary world rejoices, I feel like some of us have been suffering from weariness for so long that we're not able to function in the way that God would have us function. We're not able to see things clearly anymore. We're not able to see things uh, in faith anymore. We're not able to see things where we can rejoice anymore. And it's not that you're a bitter person. It's not that we're negative. It's not that we're offended. It's simply that we're weary and we need a remedy to our weariness. Do you want to hear what that remedy is today? Let's look to the Word of God. Because I believe um, there's such a connection between hope and weariness. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, 
the prophet saying, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Wow, I, I can't even begin to understand and get the amazing depth of that scripture and what that means for a weary world in order to rejoice. What does it promise? It says there'll be strength to the weary, power to the weak, but there's a how. There's, a, there's something that we must do in order to access that strength that the Lord promises. And what is it? It says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, not might renew their strength, not could renew their strength. It actually says those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. There seems to be such a connection between hoping in the Lord and overcoming our weariness, hoping in the Lord and overcoming our weaknesses and living a strong, energized, on fire, for lack of a better term, pumped life where we can go the distance rather than withdrawing and and just fading away into oblivion. Actually, for those who hope in the Lord, we can take ground, we can have our head up, we can be energized, we can be ready. There's such a connection between hope and our ability to be recharged and energized. That's what we're going to look at today. So let's bring this forward, though, into the Christmas season as what we're celebrating. Because Christmas is meant to be a time and is a time where we reflect on the hope of the world. Jesus, He is born lives the life that we couldn't live and, and goes on to, to minister and then die and be resurrected and we can live in resurrection power. But it, but it begins there with God actually coming as a baby in this season to bring hope. If there was a title for my message today, it would be Get Your Hope Up. How often have we heard in the season, well, let's not get our hopes up. Let's not get our hopes up with this latest event. Let's not get our hopes up in this. No, I'm here to say, people of God, let's get our hope up. We get our hope up because of who our God is, who our Savior is, and what this time is of Christmas as we reflect. For those who have faith in Jesus, we're meant to be a people of great hope, despite the darkness that goes on in our life and around us. The Christmas story is one of hope. So let's jump into it. I, I want to speak today from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to them, and they'll come up on the screen. And uh, what's taking place here is, is Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. About, this is, these writings were recorded about 600, 650 years before the birth of Christ that we celebrate at Christmas time. And he's bringing actually a, a, a word of judgment to the land of God's people um, of because you've been disobedient, this is what's going to happen. And often we can read these prophecies and go, wow, like that seems harsh, God. But I love the Old Testament prophecies and prophetic words because although God would discipline his kids, there was always a message of hope. There was always a message of, of 
come back to me. It's a love story. God's judgment and prophetic words are actually a love story to his people to bring them back in alignment with him. And so that's what Isaiah is bringing. He's bringing a word of, hey, because you've been disobedient, this is what's going to take you place. But I, I've tried to tarry. I've tried to give you a chance. But there's a message of hope in there. And that's what we need in this day and age. That's what they needed then. And I love it. So we're going to jump in and break it down a little bit today on get your hope up because it's Christmas time, people. It's a beautiful thing. And Isaiah is prophesying about that time. He says in verse 1, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now, quickly, these lands were um, totally often that are mentioned were some of the first to be ravaged uh, in, in um, the sort of middle of Kings or Kings chapter 16, Second Kings, by the Assyrians and the Syrians. These lands would often be the first to get attacked and to get ravaged because they were traveling through these lands to get to the rest of the land the enemy was taking. The Assyrians were also in the war between the Romans and the Jews. These guys were often the first to get attacked because they needed to go through these lands to get to where they were going. And what um, the Isaiah is saying here, hey, but this is going to turn around. Because you were attacked first, but you're also going to get the good news first. Something bad happened, but I'm actually going to turn and make something good happen out of that. And of course, we know as Jesus grows older, the land that he ministered in first was these lands that were mentioned. Just because something bad's happened in our land, in our life, in our circumstances, doesn't mean something good can't happen either. We have hope because our God is a God of hope. The second verse says, The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And then verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I love what Isaiah is prophesying here. He's saying, hey, people, things are dark. There's some bad stuff coming, but light's going to shine in that darkness. Hey, people, things seem hopeless at the moment. They are hopeless at the moment, but here's something to be hope-filled about. A son is coming. His name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. What a word to the people and what a word to us today. And because this was fulfilled, spoiler alert in the story, this was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, that light came to dark. When we find ourselves in darkness and in a situation of, where, of hopelessness, we can actually reflect back and see that light comes in the dark and light has came in the dark in our Savior Jesus. Therefore, light is actually in our darkness, but also that light can come when darkness is in our lives. This darkness is speaking, it's not talking about the lights turning off. It's talking about a spiritual darkness, a hopelessness, uh, um, 
The people are disobedient, uh, they're disunified, the kingdom's been split here at the time. Uh, Isaiah is basically, if you've read the prophecies, he's given up on the northern part of the kingdom, it's the southern part, is, and it's division across the land, it's just disunity across the land, it's corruption across the land, it's darkness across the land, and God says, in the darkness, light will come. That's a message of hope, and that's the Christmas story, and that's what we celebrate in the arrival of Jesus being born. Christmas is a season of hope. And I believe God wants to take us from our hopelessness today and take us walking out a little more hopeful, a little more ready to step into the hope of the world. Now, I don't want to be the guy up here who just says, you have to hope more. Well, just hope more. It's not that easy, is it? I personally in my life experienced great periods of, of depression and of darkness and have done, and this comes up in my life in situations that aren't nice, and our family's facing a situation that feels hopeless at times. I don't want to be the one who says we just need to hope more. I do want to be the one who says we need to look to the hope of the world, Jesus, and find a way to access that hope that's promised in the Word of God. Not by our own ability, but by the ability of Him in us, the Holy Spirit that does it. So I don't think I'm up here just saying that because I'm living it out too in a time of hopelessness. How do we generate, how do we get hope? Well, it's by looking to the Lord for our strength. So if you, I have a few thoughts here though um, quickly on why the Christmas story should and can generate hope in our hopeless situations. Do you want to hear them today? Yeah, because I think we need some hope. So number one, uh, it's in celebrating Christmas and reflecting on the birth of Christ and His arrival onto, um, into our worlds and into humanity, it shows us that God has a redemption plan for humanity. God has a redemption plan. That's what the Word of God shows us. There's an overarching plan of full restoration and redemption from the beginning of time, right down here, until the end of time, the birth of Jesus is somewhere here and we're somewhere here. And there's actually a plan of redemption and restoration laid out in the Word of God that we get to be a part of and live in. That's good news. That's great news because we see that this, the pinnacle or the, um, a lot of uh, the right, uh, can't get the words out, a huge significant portion of the confirmation of His plan working out overarching is the birth of Jesus. That's what happens. He, he, Isaiah prophesies, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Well, we see that come to pass. Why do we need a son given? Well, maybe that's a message for a different time, but the reality is because we can't do it on our own. And we'd made a mess on, of it on our own. So we needed a son to come to help us out of that and to step back in alignment with God and back in relationship with Him. Um, so big picture, we can draw hope knowing that God's overarching plan comes to pass. What that doesn't mean is that situations of hopelessness, of darkness in your life, it doesn't mean that that's a part of God's plan for you. This is a, uh, a mistruth that often gets said. Sometimes we say things, and I know Pastor Lorne has spoken about this many times, that we say, well, well God is in control. That's, that's true, right? Like he's overarching control. In his control, he's given control and responsibility to us. 
So see where it doesn't play out, or, or maybe we're in a situation and something bad's happened, and, and we'll say to ourselves or say to someone else, well, this is a part of God's plan. Do you really think that's a part of God's plan? No. The truth is God has a plan, and it will come to pass, big picture, but I don't want us thinking that little picture, God has caused your situation. God has planned for destruction or darkness in your life. That, that's false. The Word of God actually says He can use these things for good, but He doesn't cause these things to happen. You see, because He's given us free will. I think you guys get the picture. We're a smart group here this morning. I love it. It's great. But we can have great hope when we know the story in the Word of God and the confirmation that arrives in Jesus and that Jesus is coming back and that in the end times there'll be full restoration and redemption for any of the injustices, any of the darkness, any of the pains, any of the hurt that takes place. Big picture story, God will restore, redeem, wipe away every tear, and have a new earth and a new creation, and He's going to bring all things back into alignment with how He created it to be. That's the overarching story confirmed in the Christmas story and so much more. Job 42 verse 2 states, I know that you can do all things and no purposes of yours can be stopped. God's plans will come to fulfillment whether we like it or not. It may not look like um, how we think it should look. I got to get going here, but this is good. Um, I'm, I'm getting hopeful already preaching this to myself up here. Um, but the first, we can draw hope knowing God's ultimate plans will come to pass. Second is that the Christmas story shows us that God fulfills his promises. To us, a son is given. In the darkness, a light will come. And it did. God fulfills his promises. Our God is a promise keeper and a promise fulfiller. Has anyone got one of those friends who just doesn't come through on their word for you? God bless them. Hey, I'm going to meet you at 10 o'clock and they show up at 11.30, that kind of Hey, or they bail at the last minute. Who's ever been that friend? I know I've been that friend at times. Haven't you know? Uh, we, sometimes we have people in, in our lives. I'm sure, or the, if they say, "Hey, we're going to meet at ten o'clock," you kind of start getting ready about ten o'clock before you drive away because you know they're going to be late anyway. They don't fulfill their word. Well, this is the great news about God: is that He's a promise keeper and He fulfills His word. He's not like us who we all don't fulfill our word in some way. The birth of Jesus confirms that the promises of God do come to pass. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Even in the Old Testament, this, wasn't a, uh, this had been revealed to them. 1 Kings 8 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he promised through his Moses servant. Our God is a promise keeper. This Christmas, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we're celebrating that God is a God who keeps his word. That gives us great hope. Because for the words that haven't been fulfilled and for the, the prophetic words in the, in the word that haven't been fulfilled, God's got a good track record and we can have hope knowing that He will fulfill His promises. Have you got promises in your life you know from the Lord and you've become hopeless in that because maybe you haven't seen them come to pass? God is a God who fulfills His promises. We can have hope in that. The third point is it shows us the Christmas story that God is a God who pursues us. 
Romans 5, verse 7 and 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, so while we were missing the mark, while we weren't chasing after him, while we weren't living in alignment with God, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which means he made a way for us, because that's what his death did, to be with God. He initiated it all. We see Jesus is the one who says, He's the great shepherd who will leave the 99 for the one. Now, the one didn't come to him. He left the 99 to go and get the one. And even in this prophetic word of Isaiah, when he's bringing these words to God's people, we'll notice that they're not pursuing God. They're not chasing up. They're actually living in great disobedience, hence why he's bringing the word. But even in that, God says, to a people who are disobedient, to a people who aren't pursuing him, to a people who have fallen away and not following him, hey, I'm coming for you. In the Christmas story, when Jesus is born, I'm coming for you. You're not coming for me. I love you so much that I'm actually gonna come and pursue you. That's what God's done for each one of us. That he would arrive, and sometimes we we say this, and I say this, well, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord. But the reason I gave my life to the Lord is because he came and pursued me and gave me the ability to give my life to the Lord. Well, well, when I, when I uh, started searching for God, well, the reason you started searching for God was because he gave you the ability to search for God. It always comes back to him being the one who pursues us. And that should give us a great hope. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, and Isaiah again prophesying, and he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to um, is it too little for you to weary men, and that you weary my God also? Before we started doing this sermon series, A Weary World Rejoices, I didn't know how many times weary actually showed up in the Bible. But right there, is it too little for you to weary man that you weary my God also? Therefore, or because of that, because of your weariness and your wearying God. Um, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him his name, Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Our God pursues us. Our God wants to be with us. I have great hope knowing that when I stumble, when I fall, when I'm disappointed, when I'm disobedient, my God is still pursuing me. He's still pursuing you whatever season you're in. I have great hope because of that. The fourth reason um, we can have hope looking at the Christmas story is because it shows us that our God is not afraid of our messiness. Do you notice how God shows up? It's not in a throne room. It's not in a hospital. It's not wearing a mask, anything like that. He shows right up in an unhygienic situation, in the messiness of animals all around him, in a danger, from a dangerous trip to a, to a virgin, to peasant parents. And that's the way that God shows up. And I believe he shows up that way to show us that, hey, I'm not afraid of the mess. I actually dive right into the mess. And I feel like there's some people here today and you feel like you've been too messy for God. And maybe you've been in church all your life, but you feel like your mess or your situation or sin in your life or an area of your life is just too messy and God wouldn't want to do it. Well, when we reflect on the Christmas story, we see our God specializes is diving right into the mess. But he doesn't keep us there. Baby Jesus didn't stay baby Jesus, right? He left, he left the stable. 
left the main, got out of the mess and grew in. Our God will dive into our mess and lead us out of our mess if we allow him to. That's great hope for me. Because when there's messy situations in my life, in my relationships, in my situations, I can reflect back at Christmas and go, ah, oh, our God is a God who dives straight into our mess. He's not afraid of that. He loves us so much. He doesn't stand back and say, once you get a little more cleaned up, I'm going to come to earth. And once, once humanity gets a little bit more, uh, just gets on top of it a little bit more, that's when I'm going to come. No, he dives right in to a dark time, to a messy situation and brings light because our God wants to be right into our worlds, including our mess. I have great hope because of that. The last point today of how we can have hope from the Christmas story is it actually shows us God's forgiveness in our lives. We often just associate the cross and what took place on the cross with forgiveness, which is so true. But it actually started when he was born a baby. It actually started way before then. The Christmas story actually started way, way, way back in creation when the fall took place and, and God tells Adam and Eve, hey, I'm going to eventually raise up a son who is going to um, the enemy is going to bite his heel, but he's going to crush his head. That, that's pr- prophecy. It's amazing. But right here, Isaiah is prophesying, speaking judgment, saying what's going to happen, that things are going to get messy, but light's going to come. But really what he's saying is there's going to be an opportunity for forgiveness. Jesus arriving and being born is um, such a demonstration of God's forgiving nature in our life, of his grace. And I have a great hope because of that, because it wasn't that behavior had changed by the time that Jesus came on the scene. It was that God's a forgiving God that he sent his son. Things hadn't gotten any brighter in the natural. Things hadn't gotten lighter. If you know the history, they probably had gotten darker uh, between the prophetic word and the fulfillment of this prophetic word. Um, People hadn't all of a sudden started obeying. Some people had. They were trying to live their best, like many of us today, trying to do our best, but, but the overall climate hadn't changed, yet because God's a forgiving God, He came anyway. Our God is so full of grace. It's amazing. That gives me great hope in my seasons of hopelessness. That should give all of us, all of us great hope in our seasons of hopelessness, that our God is a God who forgives. Our God is a God who pursues Our God is a God who fulfills His promises. Our God is a God who shows up in our mess. And our God is a God who has an overarching plan. In closing today, I wanted to just remind us there, and if the team can come back, um, those, those things that look to the Christmas story and find where you can find hope in your hopelessness. Find where you can see the light in your darkness. And I know we're facing all kinds of situations. And, and I want to allow the Lord... Uh, the Holy Spirit to be the one who's responsible for rising up hope in us, but it actually takes an action of surrender to Him. God doesn't force Himself on us. He, he actually um, invites us. It's always an invitation. There's always a response. There's always an act of faith. I could give tips, some things I've been doing in this time, this last couple of years to try and keep my hope levels up, trying to spend more time in the Scriptures than in the news at the moment. That'll help you have hope. A great way to have hopelessness is to put the Scriptures away and to just listen to social media, just to listen to the news, 
I'll give you about an hour of doing that and you'll be pretty hopeless if you're not already. But when you get time in the Word and more time in the Word, you let the Word speak louder than the world, man, that rises up hope in you. I've been writing down the moments of God's faithfulness in my life, especially in times where I'm not seeing promises and things fulfilled. If you reflect back and start to write down those times that God has been faithful, hope will begin to rise. And as hope begins to rise, you can dream again, you can believe again, you can start to see it, but it's a process of reflecting on the, God's faithfulness in your past so you can look forward to the future. But the main thing at Christmas is we should reflect on the hope of the world today, who is Jesus. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Jesus is all of these things and more. So this Christmas, I am pleading with you. I'm crying out to us as the people of God, sons and daughters, get your hope up because we have a reason for a great hope. And His name's Jesus. Would you stand with me in this place as we close today? I want to pray here because, again, I don't want to be the guy who just tells us to get hopeful. I actually want to allow room for the Holy Spirit in our hopeless situation to be invited in. And sometimes it's simply going from this in our spirit to this. Sometimes it's going from, I don't know, God, to I'm going to believe God. And if you're in a hopeless situation with eyes closed in this place today um, and you want prayer, you want to leave a little more hopeful today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to break the spirit of hopelessness off us. Would you just put your hands out or lift your hands to God and say, God, I'm feeling hopeless and I've tried in my own strength to become hopeful. I've tried in my own abilities and I've done the motion, I've gone through the motions, but Holy Spirit, I need you to come through and break through and give me hope today. Would you just lift your hands? We're going to pray and agree today and then we're going to hand it back over to Serrano. So Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God who is the hope of the world. And Lord, in our hopeless situations today, in our circumstances, in our relationships, in our tragedies, in our sickness, in our doubts, in our whatever it is that's causing hopelessness, Lord, we invite you in right now to, to show your hope this time of year, Lord God. That you would remind us of the great hope that we can have in you. That you would remind us, Lord, you remind each person today that you're a God who fulfills your promises. Lord, I pray that you would, in each person's circumstance, in, in every darkness that's in this place, Lord, that we can look to your word and know that you're a God who in the darkness a light has shone. And it's, His name is Jesus and it's you, Lord. So we thank you, God, Holy Spirit, that you would break chains today that are keeping people in hopelessness and you would shine light in a new way into their life and circumstances, Lord. God, even when the circumstances don't change, I pray that hope would rise up because you are a God who fulfills your word. You are a God who pursues us. You are a God who brings light in the dark. So we thank you for it, Lord. I declare hope over every person. And in that hope, we can rejoice, Lord God. A weary world rejoices, Lord God. But we know the answer to our weariness is by hoping in you, Lord. So God, I pray for strength and power. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's leave a little more hopeful today, knowing that He is the hope of the world. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube.
If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.